0: Hi, this is Scott Thompson. Welcome to the Scott Thompson Show podcast. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends. Feel free to subscribe. Are you there? Come out from under your blanket. It'll be okay. Uh every angle and an update of COVID-19, what it is doing to Canada and how we are all coping. And we'll get through it. It's all coming up on the Scott Thompson Show podcast.
1: Today on the Scott Thompson Show on 900 CHML.
0: The Arkells are helping out, uh, uh, I guess, over this extended March break in self isolation by hosting music lessons, which is a great idea. Joining us now from the Arkells, Max Kerman, and he is here now. Max, thank you for the time. Much appreciated.
2: Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: Last time we talked to you, it was uh, announcing the big show at Tim Hortons Field, the uh, the next rally that's coming up in the summer. Before we get into uh, the music lessons and such, how long are you guys out for? When is your next scheduled gig?
2: So we, we've had a couple that have been postponed. We had a couple gigs at the beginning of April that obviously aren't going to happen right now. Uh, we were lucky, though. Uh, I know there's a lot of other bands that are uh, supposed to be on tour right now, and we're thinking about them and their crew who are not now at home, not able to work, and This is something that is happening in the music industry. It's also happening, obviously, in the service industry as well. And, you know, that's where you really rely on uh, your community to support you, but also uh, the government uh, to look after everybody. So, um, and so far, you know, it's been really impressive to see people band together in, in really positive
0: ways. Are you expecting to be back by the summer? I mean, obviously June is the big show here. Uh, are you planning that? by... I guess there is no date right now. This is all pretty fluid, isn't it? But, but your thoughts on the summer?
2: Yeah, I mean, we're hoping so. I mean, uh, it's still on, it's still on the calendar, and you know, things move pretty quickly. You know, so we'll, we'll we'll know in in a few weeks time. You know, what what the situation's like right now. But, uh, but for now, we're just trying to live in the moment as best as we can and not get too far ahead of ourselves. You know, I know a lot of people are stressed and have anxiety about you know what's happening in their lives and what the future might look like but uh, I've always found that thinking about 2 months or 4 months or 8 months down the road is is a lot to take on uh, and if we can just focus on how to make the best of of today
0: that has always gotten me through so tell everybody about the music lessons how did this come about
2: <laughs> well I need to think of ways to stay sane I- I'm a bit of a busybody and um Usually, over the course of any day, I usually have about 15 different commitments, and that's just the way I like it. So uh, this at first was just a, an activity to keep me busy, but it sort of evolved into this other uh, beautiful thing where every day people tune in at 1 p.m., and we've, and I show that we have a song of the day, and I go through the chords and the strumming pattern, and, and it's definitely not rocket science. It's like it's very kind of beginner-slash-intermediary like, guitar-playing abilities uh, that are welcome. And uh, then we open the floor and people phone in. And so I share the video screen with people from Italy and the UK and St. John's, Newfoundland and Hamilton and New York. And uh, they ask their questions about music or how to play certain parts. And then I get to interview them because I've been meeting a lot of really interesting people online through this as well.
0: This, I'm getting goosebumps just listening to this. This is a great idea. What sort of questions are they asking? Because this is your music. You're teaching them how to play, which is very cool. What sort of questions do they ask you?
2: Well, you know, for instance, there's a kid in Ottawa who wanted to know the little guitar riff in our song, Never Thought This Would Happen. Mm-hmm. And, I, and it's not hard. I showed it to him, and then kind of in real time, he learned it and ended up singing the rest of it for me <laughs> so that was really cool um, there's, there's a young woman in Italy um, and I, and I and she works for the UN and so I got the chance to ask her how she's doing with her quarantine situation and she told our audience all about it and I gave her a homework assignment I said okay you have to learn how to play our song 1111 in Italian so the next day she phoned <laughs> in and she gave us a rendition we just put put it up on our
0: Instagram story you can you can check that out. That's incredible. What do you think we're going to learn from this exercise? What do you think we're going to learn from this event as a nation, as a country, as society?
2: Yeah, I mean, I think um, when it comes down to it, the people that are truly like the pillars of, of our society are the helpers. You know, it's the teachers, it's the healthcare care staff, it's the civil servants that really make the city run. And, and on a certain level, I almost feel vindicated because these are things that we've been talking about from, as a band for a long time, it's just like, you know the, the people in our community that we need to revere and admire and respect the most uh, are the helpers, and they're truly shining right now. and I, And I hope there is a paradigm shift um, where, like from this event uh, that we're all going through, that recognizes how important those jobs are, and and we go forward and we pay them well and we respect them because because they truly are what makes the world go round.
0: It seems we live in a very divisive world nowadays. Do you think this will unite us?
2: Yeah, you know it's been fun. I, I feel like um, a lot of the squabbling that uh, over little things that that used to take place on Twitter uh, or in the newspaper, uh, you know, opinion pieces or like you know when people write into the editor, it's like those those things aren't happening as much anymore because like everyone recognizes that there's a much bigger fish to fry, and, and when our when our health is uh compromised we we evaluate things in a much different way and i I feel like a lot of petty disagreements that used to consume us aren't happening in the same way so i think so i think that's a silver lining i I hope we can continue to look at things
0: in a very big picture kind of way all right if people want to join in with a music lesson what do they do how do they how do they participate
2: uh just follow us on instagram arkell's music and every day at 1 p.m we'll be doing a music class
0: Max Kerman has been with us from the Arkells, uh, another outlet for us during this time of uh, isolation. Max, thanks so much for the time. What a great idea. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Uh, Here's a fascinating uh, story that is on our website, and you can check this out by Melanie Zettler from Global News. Uh, Coronavirus, I just had my COVID-19 test. Here's how it went. Uh, Let's bring Melanie on now. Melanie, thanks for the time. Much appreciated.
3: Hey there. How's it going?
0: Good. And you? How are you?
3: I'm actually feeling pretty good. Um, and, you know, I had, a, you know, a couple of emails, uh, responding to my article. And one person was furious that, um, because my symptoms were so minor that, um, I wasted a test. Um, but of course, you know, Toronto Public Health, I didn't just decide arbitrarily that I'm going to go in, you know, to, to get a test. Toronto Public Health advised me to do so, and there were, you know, reasons for that. I mean, I right. have a runny nose and a sore throat, um, but there were other other circumstances around that. So, um, you know, not 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 just anyone can go in for a test, and even if you do have certain symptoms, that you still might be turned away.
0: Yeah, you have to meet the criteria. It's not that anybody can walk in off the street and get these. So you were told you had to get a test. Uh, because you came in in relatively close contact with somebody else that was positive is that accurate
3: that's right yeah so I had three 15 minute or more um, meetings uh, with a confirmed case um, and then so that combined with the sore throat and uh, mm. runny nose which started around the same time as uh, those meetings um, in addition my husband uh, who who was still working worked downtown Toronto in a building with 3,000 people and so you know Toronto Public Health was concerned that you know if I was positive that you know he could very potentially be bringing that virus along to work with him.
0: So tell us about the process tell us about the test how did this go?
3: So it is it's a freaky feeling, I'm not going to lie. Like, you you know, you show up, my my closest um, test centre is in East York, so just East Toronto, um, at Michael Guerin Hospital. Um, it is located in the building. Um, and it has a separate, a separate sort of building, though, separate entrance. Um, but you go and you're immediately greeted by um, a, sec- a hospital security guard who's wearing, you know, a, a bulletproof vest. And then on top of that, he's got a shield and a mask and gloves. And a hospital hmm. gown, so right away you're kind of like whoa. And every and, and there's a few people outside with masks waiting. Uh, you had a choice to wait outside in the fresh air or inside, which I think a lot of us wanted to be outside. Um, and so you know, when you walk in, like I say in the article, I've a pretty cool kind of personality, pretty uh, grounded. But you know, when you when you walk into a situation where you know. It's a germy place. There's people with masks mm. and gloves. It does make you
0: So how how long did this whole whole process take?
3: So my appointment was a two forty five appointment, and when it was all said and done, I walked out at four thirty. So it did take some time. There's a lot of intake, um, a lot of questions about travel history. They do you know your blood pressure and temperature, and then they ask you a lot of those questions over again, and then you wait for the actual the actual test only takes 10 seconds um Mm -hmm. and it's a you know long skinny five or six inch Q-tip, if you will um that goes right in your nostril right to the back of your nose where the virus likes to hang out it did sting it did sting um but i'm again i'm a tough cookie um it was very quick and i didn't move so they're shoving
0: that puppy right up there then
3: they're getting right in there yeah (laughs) oh man yeah a little little pokey poke a little twirly twirl and then the uh the q-tip head goes into this um, clear kind of like you know those uh, vials where you're giving blood those plastic vials um and there's a little bit of fluid in the bottom and so the 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 swab kind of gets swirled in that and then i guess the fluid pulls off some of the cells um and then it's sealed and then it's sent off but you know i just found out from toronto public health today um, you know, I was anticipating 48 hours, and uh, today I just um, chatted with one of the doctors on a conference call, and it's now like four days, so I'll have to I'll have really? to sit and wait.
0: So you're still unsure at this time if you are infected?
3: Still unsure, and I mean, what I've been telling everybody is, you know, all of us sort of have to pretend like we have it. We all have to yeah. think that we have it, um, and that's what's got to sort of um, help us understand you know, how we should be social distancing and getting out in the public. If you think you have it, would you go to Costco uh, without gloves and a mask and, you know, all of these other things? No, you wouldn't.
0: Do you still feel under the weather? How do you feel now?
3: So I feel pretty good. Um, You know, I'm a pretty upbeat personality. So even when I've been really sick, I try to force myself to feel good. I just, its again, it's just a runny nose and a sore throat. So pretty mild. Um, and, you know, I know that there are are so many other people who are um, obviously suffering. Um, and so, um, and so that's why I I said in the article that, you know, if, uh, if this is my, we know that 80% of the cases are going to be pretty mild symptoms. Um, Mm -hmm. and we also know that you don't necessarily have to have symptoms in order to have the virus and spread it. So, you know, if, um, if this is my, if this is my version, then I'm okay with that.
0: Hmm. And what about those around you, family, that sort of thing, friends?
3: Yes, I do have children and, um, you know, we were asked to sort of be distant. Uh, but you know, it's just, that's a really tough one when you've got, that's hard, when yeah. you've got little ones, I mean, they were, we're a cuddly kind of family. Um, so, you know, I can't say that I've been, I've been pretty good with a lot of the other rules, but that one, that one's hmm. been broken.
0: All right, Uh, Melanie Zettler's been with us from Global News, and this is a great read. You should take a peek on the global site. Coronavirus, I just had my COVID-19 test. Here's how it went, and Melanie is still waiting the results. So good luck to you, Melanie. Thanks for sharing the story. Much appreciated.
3: Thanks, everybody. Stay healthy and stay home.
1: You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: China has uh, said there has not been any new cases of the COVID-19 coronavirus. Good news, however, uh, for Italy, not so much. Uh, they close to surpassing where uh, China is in as far as this disease with uh, obviously a lot smaller population. Let's bring in Andrew Cadell, fellow with the Canadian Global Affairs Institute, has done work with the World Health Organization and is with us now. Andrew, thank you for the time. Much appreciated. Well, you're quite welcome, Scott.
4: Happy to talk to you. Uh,
0: considering where the world is now, your thoughts on Canada and how it is coping with all of this.
4: Well, uh, in Canada, I think we're doing quite well. You know, we've had over something like 50,000 tests, uh, people tested. Uh, we've got uh, mostly negatives, obviously. Uh, nine deaths, Most, I think all of whom have been elderly people, very sadly. Uh, five or six, I think, in that one care home. In British Columbia, uh, which means that we have about a 0.01% fatality rate, mortality rate, which uh, is is is, or 1%. Sorry, uh, mortality rate, which is much lower than uh, a lot of other places outside of uh, Korea and uh, Germany, which are uh, astonishingly low. Uh, But um, but I think all in all, we're doing quite well.
0: What is Germany and Korea doing that uh, the rest of the world may not be? Well, Korea has
4: tested over 250,000 people, and they're also practicing uh, social distancing. And I think they're also culturally a society that is, is uh, fairly deferential to authority, and mm-hmm. so they, people are, are really following the
0: rules very strictly. And, Underla- uh, unlike those in Florida that are still enjoying the beach?
4: Yeah, I saw those photos. I think it's very sad. Um, yeah. You know, the, just as a bit of a digression, the unfortunate thing about, about young people being relatively immune to this is that uh, they don't think in terms of who they could be spreading it to. So a young person who may get it, but is not affected by it, then goes and sees their grandmother or grandfather and mm-hmm. could quite, quite legitimately result in a fatality.
0: And we also are hearing that there are more and more cases of younger people uh, throughout the system.
4: Well, it's not that they're immune. It's, that it's simply that, that, that it doesn't um, have the same impact on yeah. them as it does on, on older people. And that, that's because they've got healthy lungs, as long as they're not smoking. But a, a lot of young people smoke. And, of course, uh, smoking is a major factor in this because it's a pulmonary illness. It affects your lungs.
0: Uh, Italy, uh, close to surpassing China when it comes to deaths. How do you explain this, considering the population?
4: Well, you know, in, Italy has a population of 60 million people.
0: And a lot is of a lot, it elderly, apparently.
4: And, and it has the largest elderly population in Europe, which, by and large, as a continent, has a lot of elderly people. It is the second largest uh, per capita elderly population in the world. So that's, that's one major factor. Another is that... Um, uh, for pe- cer- certainly people in Hamilton would understand this, that there are southern Italians and northern Italians are you know, pretty well two, two different people, and, and the regions are very, very different. So this is a disease that is affecting northern Italians far more than, than southern Italians. And then, again, 26% of Italians smoke. I don't know how it's broken down into, into regions, but if, if a quarter of the people in, in Italy smoke, that's a, and if you're elderly and you smoke, or even if you're young and you smoke... Uh, but you're obviously going to be at at, at risk.
0: China now reporting uh, that there's, uh, they have flattened the curve. That they are, uh, they're not seeing any new infections uh, from within. Is that accurate information? What can we take from that?
4: Well, um, you know, a lot of people have been blaming China for uh, for not being totally transparent at the uh, initially, and um, I'm, I'm not a big fan of China, so uh, I'm. Uh, when I, when I say that we should be giving some credit to them for the follow-up and, uh, and since, um, I, th- I think that, that their numbers are, are, are trustworthy because um, you know, it's in their interest to, to, uh, to be both as transparent and as precise as possible. And, of course, they're, they're, the, the WHO has been very active in China and would be following up to see what their st- uh, statistics are like. And again, it's, it's sort of, you know, in, in Beijing at the time of, the, of the, the real outbreak in Wuhan, there were only seven cases. And that's, a, that's an indicator of how little people travel within China and also the distances in China. China is a country, of, of, you know, just is, is the, it's just after Canada in terms of size, but has a mm-hmm. huge population. So some of its regions are really quite far from other regions. And, so, and people don't seem to get that. So when Wuhan was, was really isolated, um, it, uh, it, 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 and the numbers were really, really intense there, they weren't necessarily, in the rest of the country, thousands of kilometers away. And so that's something that people have to take into consideration as well.
0: Give us, put that into perspective for us. Um, uh, you talked about one region being very much isolated from the other region. How much of the total area of China did this, in fact?
4: Well, well again, you know, Wuhan was, was completely, as a state, was isolated and people were in total lockdown, right? Or Wuhan in, in Hubei was isolated.
0: Completely. And how much, of that, how much of that is the rest of the country? How much of the country was infected? Uh,
4: from, from what I've read, and I've read quite a lot, uh, not,
0: uh, not an enormous amount. And so were, know, there, were there other uh, major lockdowns in other areas in China? Because we're certainly seeing what's happening here. You know, we're getting some cases coming in, so we're seeing lockdowns in both Canada and the United States. Did China go through that, or was it very much just a regional thing?
4: From what I understand, it was mostly regional, because that's what was necessary. And if you look at Hong Kong, for example, Hong Kong is... Uh, I don't know. Hubei and and, and Wuhan are, you know, in the northeast uh, part of China. Hong Kong is thousands of kilometers away. And Hong Kong did go through a process of, of, you know, very, very uh, careful procedures and, and protocols. And there has not been really any substantial impact there. So uh, and if you you know if you're limiting people from traveling, and it would be sort of like if there were well there are people obviously in in BC that are, that are are, are su- substantially affected, but if they're not traveling to Montreal or Toronto or Hamilton, then those people aren't going to be then people there aren't going to be affected as much as they would be in British Columbia, and it's the, we're talking those kinds of dis- distances.
0: Uh, then Andrew has. Has has North America been more affected by this than China has? Well, (laughs) I mean, if you're outside, because what we're, you know, every area, every area in Canada, every area in Canada is, is infected. Every area in Canada is in some sort of lockdown. The same is starting to happen in the United States. Did that happen in China? Did they lock all of China down?
4: from my understanding, are, did, they, did we they see they locked... the
0: restrictions there that, yeah. did we see the restrictions there that we're seeing here is i guess what i'm asking they
4: locked down the areas that were, were severely affected and there were protocol, protocols that were being followed in other part, parts but as i say at the time when there were i don't know with 20,000 cases in Wuhan there were 7 in Beijing and you know if you look at the numbers in Canada there're 253 i think in in BC um, there's maybe two in Newfoundland Mm -hmm. And there's 700 across the country, 700 in a country of 36 million people. So, and now, now, now that's the numbers that have been tested and have been proved. I would guess that there's probably double that at least, but we just don't know because people haven't been tested, but that's good news in terms of, of what the, the, what the case fatality rate is or what the absolute numbers are, because the larger numbers that are sick and, and have, have managed to get through this. Um, and, and so as a result, haven't been tested or, or getting are getting through this uh, means that the what they call the morbidity rate, which is the sickness rate, those numbers drop. So when the, when when we heard Patty Highdo say uh, and uh, Teresa Tam say the numbers of the morbidity rate, the sickness rate could be between 30 and 70 percent of the population. That's a huge gap. And mm-hmm. my feeling is that. If, if if we go the way of Korea, for example, which there's 10,000 cases and there's, they've tested 250,000 people and there's, I don't know, uh, about uh, 70 or 80 deaths, we, we could be in that, that range of 30% and maybe 1% or 2%, which would mean, you know, a lot of people could die, a lot of people will be sick, but it won't be, it's not like Ebola, it's not going to be tens, uh, Not it's not going to be hundreds and hundreds of thousands, it's going to be, a number that could be manageable as long as people follow the protocol of self isolate and, and you know wash their hands and and, and, and keep uh, uh, follow you know proper social distancing and all those things
0: so you were, yeah, you know, we're we're talking about the size of of China compared to Canada, and you know, roughly the same size, except uh, lots, lots more people, millions of people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but but you're saying that, for example, if British Columbia got it, that doesn't necessarily mean that Ontario would get it. But but what I'm saying, uh, we're seeing now how this has affected uh, the country and and the nation and such, and the restrictions that are put in place. Are, are, is this affecting North America as much or more than it affected? China and by that I mean because these situations were isolated in the northern part of China it didn't necessarily uh, uh, involve the rest of the country but we're certainly seeing in Canada it's east to west I mean there's 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 obviously provinces that are more populated where we're seeing more cases of it but the restrictions everything that we're seeing is affecting the whole country did we see that in China did China did, did other than the individual cities and provinces that are affected did is, is or did China China experience the same things that we are now?
4: Well, in North America and Canada and the U.S., we have a tremendous degree of freedom of movement. In China, they don't. Second of
0: all, we have huge... uh, So did they lock down all of China or just the portions that were affected? No, as I said, And again, we're seeing this, I I guess my point is we're seeing this affect a nation. Did it affect their nation or just a portion of it? Just a portion of it.
4: Whereas we have freedom of movement, we have the ability to travel because we have disposable income, right. we can go wherever we want, and we and have the means spreads. to do that. And that's right. an unfortunate thing in the case in the, within the context of this, of this pandemic, because it means that somebody can be in California one day and in Florida the next or vice versa. Right. Uh, you know, right. And that, that's one of the reasons that, you know when I, when I spoke to one of your colleagues uh, to uh, I'm trying to think of Bill anyway. Uh, But I said that we would have to think about locking down the borders. And uh, Mm. of course, now we've done that. And that's a good thing, because it'll limit the numbers of people who can come from the US to Canada and vice versa. Uh, Because we, we don't want to have a lot of people traveling back and forth, because you just never know what people might be carrying.
0: So, uh, although it started in China because the people are more restricted, people travel here more often, the spread has been greater in North America than it was in China. Is that accurate? That's accurate. Except that
4: in Canada, we seem to be practicing social distancing and following the protocols a lot better than they are in the U.S. Because when you look at the numbers in Canada, uh, 700 people versus what, you know, they haven't done enough tests. But uh, but when the U.S. starts doing more tests and when they start getting more uh, more more fatalities, um, more deaths, uh, you'll see the numbers skyrocket. I think because people have not been following the protocols, or you have people who are skeptics, and um, you know uh, one or two skeptics can can create uh, dozens of people who could be sick.
0: So is it accurate to say that this virus is now affecting the rest of the world more than it did China?
4: Oh, that's a very good question. But I would say you look at Germany, Germany has 28,000 cases and has, uh, uh, you know, about 100 deaths. So they're doing something right. Uh, Canada has nine deaths and seven 700 cases we are doing whether
0: we're doing something right or wrong the fact is is this virus that started in China is now affecting the rest of the world and becoming more damaging to the rest of the world than it was to the country it originated in China
4: yeah but I mean there's two sides to look at That's you know that on the one hand the Chinese you know shouldn't be uh, eating eating bats or eating uh, animals where you can have cross-species infection On the other hand, it's a sign that, uh, with proper controls and proper protocols, this uh, this virus can be can be fought and beaten. So I, I would prefer can... to sort of go on the on the latter side than the than the former because I think that there's there's some cause for optimism. And what can we
0: learn from China in all of this?
4: Well, I think uh, that you have to have a very strong public health uh, administration. Uh, you have to have the capacity to test effectively, and you've got to be able to, to uh, uh, encourage people to follow proper protocols. I, I worry about the panic that's set in in North America, which uh, it, it's sort of a sign that maybe you have to make people panic in order to have them defer to authority, and I'm not sure that that's a good thing. But yeah. uh, um, and, and then there are people who refuse to, uh, to, to defer to authority because they think that that's smart, and then you have the young people who think that they're immune and they're not. So you know, it's 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 really quite a fascinating, you know, sort of a, not a social experiment, but but something. Uh, there will be people that'll be writing about this for years and years because in every single country there's been a different approach or a different different uh, result, and you know, you because of that freedom, Germany.
0: Be- because of that freedom, it will probably take a government to lock everything down in order for people to obey because we've seen them slowly try to to do this. And, and it appears that people in North America aren't necessarily uh, heeding the advice. Um, you know, nobody wants a complete lockdown. But yet, on the other hand, that's what may have to happen in order for people to heed that advice.
4: Yeah, that's, that, I'm not sure if we – I I, whenever people talk about North America, I think the culture in Canada, we are quite different. And if you look at the pictures yeah. of the, the QEW or, uh, or the, or the DeCarrie Expressway in Montreal or the Queensway in Ottawa, and you see it absolutely empty, and then you look at the beaches of, uh, of, of yeah. Florida, and you look at, at uh, people at, at uh, evangelical church services holding hands in the U.S., yeah and you realize that uh, even though they may be a small proportion of the population, I think that we in Canada tend to, be, uh, to heed uh, warnings much more effectively and be more responsible. And I, I don't mean that to say that in the sense that we're morally superior. I just think that that's our nature.
0: Does China owe the rest of the world an explanation? Do they owe the rest of the world some sort of statement, some sort of policy? How do they sell this? Because they are very much interwoven into our economy now
4: yeah i think I think the first lesson that we have to learn from that, and the Chinese are probably going to uh, be going to suffer from this, is that we cannot be so reliant on China in terms of manufacturing industries and uh, and 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 for our economy because if if it 's the old saying about the United States when they got a cold, Canada would get a fever and and um, it's the same thing with with china you know if if China shuts down or some or the, or the industrial part of China shuts down, uh, it has a huge impact on inventories and uh, uh, the the operations of our of our economy, especially manufacturing economy so uh, and the consumer economy so we have to take that into consideration in terms of 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 what uh, China should be doing I, I think that there has to be they have to do some sort of self-examination and, and inform, educate their public about, about uh, the risk of, of, uh, of, of eating certain species because, um, you know, bats are, have, have been the vector for a number of diseases, including Rift mm. Valley fever in the 1970s or 80s, I think, which was the precursor of Ebola, and Ebola, the vector, was bats as well. And in, in this case, it looks as if bats were the vector, uh, for uh, COVID-19. So, you know, you just can't be be eating certain species, consuming certain species because they could they can be carrying uh, viruses that uh, we are
0: are not uh, our DNA is not prepared to, uh, to fight. Mm. Andrew Cadell has been with us, fellow with the Canadian Global Affairs Institute, and has worked with the World Health Organization. Andrew, thank you so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. You're quite welcome. Anytime. All right, I'm going to introduce you to a friend of mine who, uh, legendary morning man in Ottawa, just retired uh, in this past year, a year ago. Uh, Doc Halen from the famous uh, Doc and Woody show at Shea FM in Ottawa, and decided uh, I'm now retired, I'm going to be a snowbird, head down to FLA in the winter back in Ottawa, in the summer and he has just returned uh, a month before ahead of schedule and doc halen is with us now doc thanks for the time great to hear from you great to hear you're All, safe
5: always uh, good to be with you scott
0: so when did you decide to make the journey back
5: uh about five days ago uh it was sort of in the back of my mind about two weeks ago but i didn't want to scare my wife so i kept uh, giving her information about what was going on just a little bit at a time until she kind of said, hey, maybe we should go home. And I was like, yep, let's go. And uh, we got home, I think, uh, Monday, Monday morning.
0: And the good news is uh, family back here, and that's the way it's working. People uh, back here are saying, hey, you guys got to get home. You got to get home. Now, the good news is you had family up here, so the house was loaded and stocked up by the time you returned because now you're in quarantine for 14 days, correct?
5: Yes, we were very lucky that my daughter uh, was able to uh, uh, load us up with groceries. And uh, we've got a a brand-new house, which we bought just before we left, so we hardly even know it. So we're uh, (laughs) taking the next uh, 21 days now to – to really get to know it and, and get it all set up. So it's kind of a bizarre situation. And as you said, it was our first year uh, going down to Florida. So I had this vision because, you know, in, in March, it's that time of year when you're just sick of winter and yeah. you're, you're wishing you were somewhere else. So I thought, haha this year I'm actually going to be down there. It's going to be sunny and 30 every day. I'm going to play golf every day and go to the pool. It'll be great. But here we are back home again under unbelievably bizarre circumstances.
0: So what happened? Tell us about the border crossing. Was it busy and did they ask you anything specific? Uh, you know did they tell you to quarantine? Uh, no, actually. we
5: were uh, driving up at uh, uh, you know kind of make trying to make really good time uh, getting up here. and even at m- midnight we were in the hotel room in, in Maryland and my daughter sent a text saying, you guys have to leave now. The prime minister <laughs> making an announcement in the morning, and she figured they were going to close the border. So yeah. I got up in the middle of the night. We got in that car and we drove like crazy. At seven thirty a.m., we got to the border and there was nobody there, except one lone border guard. Mm. And uh, he took a look at our uh, passport and says, "You coming home from Florida?" And I said, "Yep." He said, "Welcome home," and he waved us on. That was it.
0: So. So he didn't say anything that you should stay uh, isolated for a couple of weeks or any of that stuff.
5: No, he just he just welcomed us in, you know, like a a guy who's you know rescuing people, saying you're safe now, come (laughs) come
0: come in. (laughs) Were you surprised it was that easy? Were you surprised they didn't ask you more questions or tell you, okay, now that you're here, here's what you got to do? Yeah, I thought we would get
5: some sort of a briefing on uh, what we have to do and what we weren't to, you know, that we would have to go. Into quarantine, we know because we've been keeping tabs on the news and social media. So we were very well aware that the first thing we were going to do was uh, was quarantine for 14 days, now 21 days. Um, but so we were kind of surprised that they didn't give us that information, though.
0: And what is it like, you know, it's interesting watching all of the coverage up here, and then as I watch coverage from the United States, it seems like they're like two weeks behind us. You were in Florida, uh, I believe on the Gulf Coast. What was it like there? Are people heeding any of this advice? No. Uh, We
5: live in uh, Claremont, Florida, in a nice little community called Kings Ridge, which uh, has two golf courses, and it's a 55-and-older community. So there's lots of people in their 70s and 80s. Uh, Who I I think they get their news from Fox,
4: so they're getting
5: a different story than uh, maybe other people. (laughs) Uh, So they were completely in denial. They were having uh, dinner parties and uh, hugging us when we were saying, no, no, (laughs) we're leaving and we're keeping away from people. Oh, well, we're going to miss you, and then they give us a big hug. And uh, uh, the only uh, time we saw anybody who was really taking it seriously was when we went to Costco, and uh, we noticed that there was no toilet paper. Mm. And, uh, you know, we got to the uh, cache and I saw one guy, he had about uh, three 24 packs of toilet paper, uh, 24 pack of water and a big giant bag of potato chips. So, and that was and in he- Florida. That was in Florida, so he was he was all ready ready to go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh <laughs> like, my!
5: I, I just I don't understand the whole collecting the toilet paper thing. I, I get food no. and supplies, uh, but I mean, uh, what are you going to do with all that toilet paper?
0: And uh, so, how come how come you were in, in uh, secluded for twenty one days? I thought it was typically fourteen.
5: Oh, it's changed now. From fourteen, uh, the last we heard, they they were suggesting you go twenty one. So wow. we're not taking any chances. We'll do uh, whatever they think is
6: best.
0: And how are you coping with this? Now, mind you, it's only been a couple of days since you've been back, but how are you coping with, ha- you know, having to be stuck inside like that? We're, I'm doing the show from home now. Uh, we're not really in self isolation mode in the sense that, you know, we can still go out to the store and such if we need it, but to be completely barred down, what's that like?
5: Uh, well, Scott, I'm an introvert, as you know, and, uh, I have a master's degree in social distancing, so <laughs> this is what I was born for.
0: <laughs> you are, you are tuned up for pandemics, man. You've got this down.
5: So, uh, you know, and, and I, I highly
0: recommend... recommend.
5: My wife, sorry, go ahead. is detailing the house. Uh, um, yeah. <laughs> she's got a toothbrush and she's going through it. Inch by inch.
0: Oh, man. Even though nobody's been in it for like four or five months.
5: That's right. And it's uh, it's a brand new house, so it's clean as a whistle. But uh, uh, So,
0: and what, what about the rest of the family? Uh, do, do they just, do they come by at all? Or do they just stand at the nope. front door and wave or throw stuff up and leave? Or is it, that's it? You're not seeing them for 21 days.
5: Yes. Well, they have also, uh, they are also staying inside as well. Um, A lot of people around here are doing that. It's very quiet out there. Only leaving the house to uh, get groceries or go to a doctor or something like that. Um, The the whole family is taking this very seriously. We want uh, to uh, dampen the curve and make sure that this does not get crazy like it has in Italy, for instance
0: yeah and of course if you're looking to alleviate the boredom i highly recommend you go to doc halen's facebook page uh he's jumped into the musician thing on all of this but kind of with a different spin i really can't explain it on the radio you'll have to watch it uh doc thanks so much for taking (laughs) thanks so much for taking (laughs) do you miss being on the radio hey do you miss being on the radio
5: I have to tell you, I was a tiny bit nervous here. I haven't done it for a while.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know what? If you can get yourself out this way, you can come into the house and I'll let you do it. (laughs) Oh, no, you can't get out. I'm sorry. I can't. I'm Uh, stuck here, so... But All right, Doc it. Halen has been with us from Ottawa, former mortar, morning man at uh, Shea FM there, and now new Snowbird, who unfortunately had to return a month early in order to uh, obey by the COVID regulations. Doc, thanks so much for the time. Much appreciated. Stay stay safe, stay healthy, and say hi to Trees for me. Will do. Take care. All right, you too. Uh, that is Doc Halen uh, from Ottawa. Snowbird, just back and now self-isolating, which is more than a lot are doing.
1: You're listening to the Scott Thompson show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: You know, an interesting aspect of this is, uh, and perhaps why we may need some sort of further shutdown is, you know, probably the majority of the people are conforming to social distance and self-isolation when they can, but we're hearing all kinds of stories of people who are not uh, neighbors, coworkers, friends, friends, of people who they know have been away and have come back and are not self-isolating for 14 days as the government has asked you to do. Uh, we've got calls or uh, notes rather from people who are in the personal care industry who are very concerned about uh, going into others' homes and also doing extra work for their clients that they're not supposed to really do, like getting them stuff from the store that uh, that they can't, that they need and, and they can't get out to get. Uh, this these are all things that that are uh, I guess within some company guidelines that they are not to do. Just stick to the basics of their job, but again, are finding them. Themselves in these predicaments, uh, we're getting all kinds of calls from people who have noticed co workers that have come back when they shouldn't have come back. People working even in the medical industry and behind medical counters that shouldn't be there because customers know that they have been away. So how do you police this in, in, in with, with people who are supposed to be voluntarily uh, isolating themselves, who have been out of the country and on the other hand, uh, workers who are out there on the front lines, what sort of rights do they have? Let's bring in Howard Leviavitt employment lawyer he, employment lawyer. He is with us now. Howard thank you for the time. much appreciated. Happy to be here. How much of a concern, how much are you hearing about these vulnerable employees that are on the front lines that are looking for some sort of guidance but, but seem to be lost at this point?
6: Well, let's understand this. If we're talking about doctors and healthcare professionals, they assume a certain risk in going into the profession. They're going to be dealing inherently throughout their careers with ill people. And they can't say, we're not going to do it now. Mm-hmm. They should obviously put in prophylactic masks and otherwise do things to protect themselves. But the average employee who is probably representing the vast majority of your calls has a right to say to your employer, I need to be protected. You can't let anybody into the workplace that has been out of the country in the last two weeks, that's been exposed to someone in the last two weeks, That has any kind of flu symptoms or other symptoms of COVID nineteen, and if you do, I'm leaving, and expect to be paid. And if they if they can't prove that, but they still feel somewhat imperiled, they have the right to call an occupational health and safety inspector. And
0: are you sorry? Go ahead. Sorry, are you anticipating uh, an abundance of calls like this in the immediate future?
6: Yes, if it haven't already occurred. Yes, you mean to me, or do you mean to health, health and safety inspectors?
0: Well, it's all of it, absolutely. I mean, because we're certainly hearing uh, from 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 listeners who are very concerned about all of this.
6: I understand a lot of it. It's simply they have to come to work. The employer has the right to say we're not going to let everybody go home and work from home because a lot of times productive work can't be done from home. And in any event, depends on the job. And in any event. Um, Even if it could be done from home, it's still the employer's right where it has to occur. But the fact is the employer has to take the right steps to ensure that employees are protected. And if they don't, then employees, the easy legal route is to call an occupational health and safety inspector to adjudicate upon that. And they can shut down the business or they can force them to change their practices or refuse to work under those circumstances and ask and require
0: to be paid. So if an employer is is uh, providing you with a job in a situation, however you are concerned because of contact with other people, what have you, you don't have uh, the tools in the toolbox to be safe, uh, that is when it becomes an issue. That is when the employer owes you something here.
6: Yes, if it's not safe. But if the right. employer has lots of sanitizers, has social distancing, um Making sure that no one allowed in the workplace, including customers or members of the public, that have any kind of symptoms or that otherwise have been out of the country, then for the requisite period of time, then you do not have the choice as an individual worker to say, I just feel generally apprehensive about being out of my house, so I'm not going to work. Now, the employer may well allow you to stay home, but don't Mm -hmm. expect to be paid in those circumstances. Now, if employers are sending people home, they have to pay them. Right. And understand that they lay off employees as they are doing right now in large numbers because there's not a lot of work because there's not a lot of business. That is legally a wrongful dismissal, and the employee can sue for a full wrongful dismissal damages of up to 24 months' pay.
0: What about if you're in a place of business and you're concerned because somebody else may have been infected or traveled to a hot spot and is just and is not taking the proper precautions? What responsibility does the employer have there?
6: to ensure that person's out of that place immediately and didn't go into the first place. And if they haven't behaved that way, and someone gets infected, then that person can sue the employer and anyone they infect in turn can sue the employer. So employers, they understand this, a powerful incentive to keep their workplaces very safe and ensure employees Mm -hmm. take all the, the people aren't allowed near the place who aren't entirely safe and the people within the workplace keep social distancing maintained at all times.
0: So uh, if you are in one of these scenarios uh and in order to continue to work, you must have what is needed in order to keep you safe. But after they have provided, whether it's social distancing, uh, whether it's uh, the proper attire, whether it's uh, disinfectant wipes or what have you, once the employer has done everything they can to try to keep everybody uh, reasonably safe, then it's fine. Is that accurate?
6: Then the employee has no choice to say, I personally feel fearful. I personally don't want to work. And the employer may say, that's fine. We'll, we'll let you accept the layoff until you're ready to come back to work and not discharge you. But they could even discharge you. I don't think any mm-hmm. employer right now would do that. Employers right now, they're, everybody's concerned with reputation. It's all new grounds for everybody. They're more likely to say, okay, I'll let you stay home, but I'm not going to pay you.
0: Yeah. Uh, Well, yeah, we've heard reports of, for example, uh, technicians that have to go into a house to do something. uh, Repair people uh, that have to go into a house to do something that uh, that their employer isn't providing masks or whatever they need to enter these houses. How do you make that decision? What they're going to need to enter a customer's house has that even well, anybody who enters
6: strange homes should be should be wearing masks and the employer should be providing that for them, ensuring they're permitted to do that. And again, that's a situation where the employee would say, I feel in peril of the job and call the Ontario Occupational Health and Safety Branch and ask for an inspector to make that determination. And it's also new that I don't know that many determinations have been made yet or that even the inspectors are up to task on what the criteria should be. But there's also an imperative of allowing business to continue. So, if people need healthcare workers, if people need technicians to fix their computers that aren't operating as people are trying to work from home, um, that's part of the balancing act as well.
0: So, if there are some out there that are concerned uh, about their rights, where should they go? Is there any quick way to get information on this, Howard?
6: A lot of the information is really medical. They have to show that they have a legitimate, substantive claim that they are at risk. Mm-hmm. If they have such a claim, they don't have to put themselves into that position unless, again, they're a frontline healthcare worker who, with proper masks, et cetera, takes that risk as part of their fundamental job. Doctors, for example, are with sick people their whole careers. That's a, risk, yeah. that's a casualty and a risk of that profession. So they can't say, I'm going to not work in that environment because they've always worked in that environment in fact we rely upon them to cure us when we become sick but for the average person they're going to have to show there's a real tangible risk the employer's being careless about who it's letting into the workplace or it's not enforcing social distancing or it's not allowing people lots of time to go to to go to the to use the facilities and wash their hands regularly it's not having enough hand sanitizers That's what they're going to have to prove in order to be permitted to not enter that workplace.
0: Is it best to? Where do you start with this? Is this best to to have this conversation with your immediate supervisor and then go from there? I'd go to
6: human resources if it's human resources department right away. If I feel imperiled, and have and also if you're going to say you're imperiled, you better come up with a reason. You can't just say. You know, there, there's a virus around. I don't want to come to work. I understand other people are working from home. I want to work
0: from home, too. Well, there you go right there, Howard. What about that? Everyone else is working from home. How come I have to work? That's not good enough? It's not good enough, no. You have to prove that somehow this is a threat to you in some way. And, yes, and, the employer is not
6: taking proper precautions. Right. Because a lot of businesses, a lot of jobs and businesses don't aren't compatible with working from home.
0: Howard Levitt has been with us, employment lawyer. uh, Many people expressing their concerns over businesses staying open and others who may be ill during this pandemic at work. Howard, thanks so much for the time and insight. Much appreciated. Anytime. Thank you.
1: You're listening to the Scott Thompson Show podcast on 900 CHML.
0: All right. Uh, we've seen various businesses, restaurants. We talked to uh, somebody from the Thirst, uh, Thirsty Cactus the other day, uh, how they were adjusting their menu and becoming more of a, a takeout sort of a setup just in, in order to keep uh, business coming in. And you can certainly see when people are self-isolating like this, it might be good to you know, take up people on uh, their curbside delivery or uh, doing something a little different as opposed to, uh, you know, barbecuing for the rest of this uh, uh, pandemic kind of thing. Uh, and another angle to all of that, a local website has emerged to promote uh, local restaurants that are doing takeout and decide to uh, try to stay open and service the, uh, the public. Uh, from Taste on. this is Jen. Jen, thanks for taking the time. Much appreciated.
7: Uh, my pleasure.
0: So where did you get the idea about this? Tell us what it's all about.
7: Um, So I've been doing the page for, like, the last five years, and I've always done a list for um, holiday times, Mm -hmm. like long weekends, which places were open and which places were closed and what their hours were. And um, when this was happening, I just wanted to let everyone know that there are local businesses that are still offering um, safe, no-hand uh, no interaction required, Pickups um, or delivery services.
0: And t- describe what Taste Hamon is. What, what, what's the purpose of this website prior to all of this?
7: Um, it started on Instagram. It, it is just a, a food diary. I love food, and I like talking about them. And mm-hmm. Hamilton was definitely getting blessed with all these uh, local independent um, restaurants and cafes and wanting to tell everyone new places that are opening in my favorites. And um, it's just a public page where people like where I share um, some of these new spots and uh, what's happening in Hamilton.
0: And what has been the response from restaurants that have gotten on board? How does this, how has this word spread?
7: Um, Uh, We actually, my friend helped me on this all day long. We just went on everyone's Instagram website trying to gather all the information Um, they've been announcing. We just wanted to compile it into a list. Obviously, this is such a tough time for everyone, especially the industry. Um, So they're starting to see the list and sending me any updates if they're changing their hours or if they're signing off for delivery service or anything extra.
0: So what will people see when they go to this page?
7: So there's just a little description of uh, what the page is for, and then it's a table format of, um, I think, about over 150 restaurants right now. And uh, there's two columns, uh, one for takeout service and one for delivery. And Mm -hmm. it'll say whether yes or no they're offering these or the restaurant is closed.
0: What a great idea. So this... this basically lists all of the restaurants that are uh, that are still open and are serving because you're not allowed to have your dining rooms, but they will be providing takeout service. This lists all of those restaurants.
7: Yeah. Uh, well, we're still updating every day, trying to include right. as many as possible and update people if any restaurant is no longer offering those services. So.
0: Now are you seeing many of the restaurants drop out? Like I remember talking to the thirsty cactus and they were they were concerned they weren't sure how the menu was going to take shape. This is sort of a you know a work in progress uh, kind of thing. Have you seen many opt out, Jen?
7: Yes, um, every day we see few and then definitely it's increasing and people mm-hmm. are changing um, what they are offering or how they are doing things, obviously with every announcement happening.
0: And I guess it might, you must be getting a positive response out of this if you're getting more and more added to it.
7: Uh, I, I hope so. <laughs> People are sharing. And um, we, Hamilton um, is great because all these local businesses give the identity to who we are. And uh, all, everyone's pretty supportive so they want to help out the local businesses obviously so they are delivering ordering deliveries or even doing takeouts from the list so
0: you know, you were talking about, and you know, we we've all uh, just uh, admired this how how the restaurant scene in Hamilton has just exploded over the last couple of years. Uh, you know, at one time it, it it was nothing the way it is now, and now we're seeing, as you mentioned, all these different types of restaurants that have that have popped up uh, over the last couple of years. Are you worried that the restaurant industry, some of these, won't survive this?
7: I think it'll be very tough. Um, as long as it's very temporary. Um, action that they're closing for just two weeks I think it should be good for everyone or okay and um, all these people can go back to work whenever everything's back to normal. Um, I'm just hoping that it is temporary and it's not going to be a long term because it'll impact a lot of the businesses.
0: Any feedback from any of the restaurants on what you've done?
7: Uh, I've been getting a lot of positive uh, messages just thanking uh, for compiling the list. Um, So it's been very positive.
0: Uh, You know, in in some sense, this may be a way for people to check out restaurants that they didn't realize were there. I mean, you know, uh, this might, uh, if your local restaurants close down, but there's another one that's still serving takeout. Who knows, maybe this could be a positive for some out there. Is there optimism out there, Jen, or is it pretty negative at this point?
7: Uh, there's a lot of optimism. Yeah, um, people are trying to stay positive, and we're trying to build a community and stay as one. So,
0: so you say you have about 150 listings at this point. Is that accurate? Yes. <laughs> That's incredible. That's a lot of work to compile all of that. How long did it take to, uh, to build this?
7: uh about a day and a half <laughs> wow just good doing for you it all day long yes
0: and you're just doing this because you're a foodie and you love the, the hamilton restaurant scene
7: yes just wanted to be supportive
0: all right any uh what do you have to say to anybody out there listening who's thinking of uh of maybe venturing out for some curbside or some takeout what th- what thoughts do you have for them from the restaurants
7: um just check them out and if Everyone wants to treat themselves to a nice meal that's something different from just home-cooked meals. Um, Give one of these local restaurants a try. Some of your favorites might be on the list, and they're offering these special deliveries that they weren't before. So it's nice to support them and also try something new.
0: Uh, And I've also heard if you really want to support restaurants as well but necessarily don't want to go out, it's a great time to go and buy a gift card because that puts cash in their tills now and you can go back and and use them when when this is all cleared out.
7: Yeah, so um, there's been a lot of people suggesting buy your favorite restaurant gift cards and you can use it later on. I believe some of the restaurants are offering some promotions and also putting them out online for purchase. So it's a great idea to support.
0: All right, uh, Jen. Ta- Jen has been with us from Taste Hamont, a local website that's been a, that's emerged and and well, it's it's been around prior to this uh, as Jen is a local foodie, but now using this page to list all of the restaurants that are still open with no dining room facilities, but still are offering curbside or delivery service, so you can kind of break up the monotony of self-isolation. Jen, thanks so much for the time. Good luck with this.
7: Thank you so much.
0: That is Jen from Taste Hamont. And again, you want some local takeout and not sure where to go or how to do it, curbside, delivery, they've come up with some really neat ideas to keep these establishments open. Uh, So do your part to help restaurants uh, in the hammer.
1: The Scott Thompson Show, weekdays from noon to 3 on 900-CHML.